98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Troubled Hong Kong Airlines is told it will find out its fate tomorrow. Doubts are cast on the government's latest explanation for delays to the shot into Central Link and that there are calls for peace ahead of a major protest march on Sunday. The Transport Secretary, Frank Chan, says that the aviation regulator will announce by the end of tomorrow whether it will revoke or suspend the licence of financially troubled Hong Kong Airlines. The Air Transport Licensing Authority, or APLA, said earlier this week that the airline's financial position had deteriorated rapidly. The airline's CEO has told staff it will receive a cash injection before the deadline. Mr Chan says Hong Kong Airlines is operating normally at the moment. The Hong Kong Airlines has responsibility to take care of its passengers in its best endeavour. And therefore, should any passenger feel aggrieved or feel it necessary, they should contact Hong Kong Airlines for uh, follow-up. The Air Transport Licensing Authority has received response from the Hong Kong Airlines and is now reviewing the submitted information. The ECLA will look into it or in the process of looking into it and will announce its decision on the 7th of December or earlier. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Tien has disputed government claims that vandalism by protesters is to blame for construction delays on the new shot into central MTR line. The MTR corporation says it had to divert staff to repair University Station, which required an almost complete rebuild. The Royal Firm says it hopes to partially reopen the station within three weeks, while the new link should be operating in early 2022. Mr Tien, a member of LegCo's Railway Subcommittee, said delays on the link were, in fact, due to issues at the new Exhibition Centre station. Exhibition needs to be ready by middle of 2021. They're trying everything to make sure that that can be done and there seems to be some risk and it's a challenge. So actually, that is the main cause rather than the damaged parts along the university section. However, if in the future there are continued vandalism, even after using the island section spare parts and installed along the university section, if there are further damages in the future, then obviously all bets are off. Then you can kiss SEO goodbye until whenever. The police commissioner, Chris Tang, has called on protesters to remain peaceful at Sunday's rally organised by the Civil Human Rights Front. Mr Tang says he hopes Hong Kong people will show the world they can hold orderly mass demonstrations. If Sunday's protest turns violent, Mr Tang says they have contingency measures. He spoke to reporters before boarding a flight to meet his counterparts in Beijing. I'm going to meet with the senior official um, from the uh, Ministry of Public Security and also the Hong Kong and Macau Office of the State Department. During the visit, I'm going to introduce myself, introduce my new management team and to introduce the crime situation in Hong Kong. The organisers of Sunday's anti-government rally are confident it will be peaceful. The Civil Human Rights Front has failed to secure police approval for a march since August due to fears of violent clashes between protesters and police. Its lawful demonstrations have attracted the biggest crowds since the extradition bill crisis erupted in June. Sunday afternoon's march will go from Victoria Park to Central. The Front's Vice Chairman, Eric Lay, says he expects a big turnout. From what we have seen, 
previous weeks that nearly 3 million citizens cast their votes in the Peaceful Council elections. And we believe that they will also be encouraged and empowered to participate in protests. And we hope as many people as we can, as many people as possible, that they will join the movement, not only to show the support for human rights in Hong Kong, but also to show our outrage against police brutality in the previous month. Police are investigating a murder and wounding in Kowloon City. They say they received a report around 5.30pm yesterday that a man was unconscious on Ma Chiang Road. The 39-year-old was rushed to hospital with chest and hand injuries but died a short while later. Investigators believe he intervened when he saw a man attacking a woman with a knife and tried to stop the attacker. The 23-year-old woman was taken to hospital with head and stomach injuries while the attacker fled. The Confederation of Trade Unions says bosses should offer pay rises of 5% this year, despite Hong Kong's first recession for a decade. The unionists say many of the city's biggest firms remain vastly profitable and can afford generous pay rises, even if they have suffered in the last six months of unrest. Its chairwoman, Carol Lung, said inflation was at 2.9% for the first 10 months of the year and higher pay could help revive the economy. She said struggling companies should negotiate. If you are into another extreme that you are not afforded to have any pay rise or you're even considering um, to close down your business, but prior to doing that, we strongly recommend to manipulate the best weapon in these situations is the collective bargaining. This is one of the very useful platforms in Hong Kong many, many years. And especially in the economic downturns, we suggest the employers talk to the unions or the staff representative or staff organizations to find out a win-win situation, win-win solutions. The state-run Global Times newspaper says pro-establishment lawmaker Junius Ho has been given an honorary doctorate by the China University of Political Science and Law. The report said the honour was for his tremendous contributions and accomplishments in the legal sector. In October, Mr. Ho's Mr. alma mater in Britain, Anglia Ruskin University, revoked his honorary law degree over his behaviour in the recent political unrest. The pro-Beijing lawmaker has come under fire numerous times for his controversial comments towards pan-democrats and protesters. Turning overseas, there's been a sharp rise in the number of cases of measles worldwide, with nearly 10 million people infected last year by a disease which can easily be prevented with vaccination. The latest figures show more than 140,000 people died from measles last year, a rise of almost 15%. Most were children. The World Health Organization described the figures as a collective failure. Dr. Robert Lincolns from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control explains why measles is so dangerous. Measles is a, without a doubt, a deadly virus. Upwards of 5% of people who are infected with measles virus actually are killed by the virus. On top of that, however, though, measles does have serious consequences, which include pneumonia and encephalitis. And just recently, some research that was published indicating the children who survive measles actually have higher mortality rates when compared to children who have never gotten measles. Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has promised to provide evidence very soon that Joe Biden contributed to increased corruption in Ukraine. Mr Giuliani has just been visiting the Ukrainian capital, Kiev. Here's the BBC's Jonah Fisher. 
According to social media posts, Rudy Giuliani has now met with two of this country's former prosecutor generals. Neither men have good reputations for fighting corruption. He's also been pictured with an MP with close links to Russia. All three have played supporting roles in the widely discredited stories linked to former Vice President Joe Biden and the claims that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 US election. The interviews are likely to be used by Mr Giuliani to try and justify President Trump's decisions as efforts to impeach him continue in Washington. A Russian man accused of running a global cyber theft operation which stole at least 100 million US dollars is facing charges in the US. Maxim Yukovets is alleged to have worked for Russian intelligence and led a group called Evil Corp. It used malware to target people in more than 40 countries. The US wants to extradite Mr Yukovets along with one of his associates. Brian Benchkowski is from the US Department of Justice. Sitting quietly at computer terminals far, far away, these cyber criminals allegedly stole tens of millions of dollars from unwitting members of our business, nonprofit, governmental, and religious communities. Each and every one of these computer intrusions was effectively a cyber enabled bank robbery. The biggest protest strike in France for decades has been marred by violence with clashes between police and demonstrators in Paris and other cities. Trade unions have brought much of the economy to a halt in protest at President Emmanuel Macron's plans for pension reforms. Here's the BBC's Lucy Williamson in Paris. Tear gas today masked the real danger facing President Macron, not the risk of a violent minority setting fire to vehicles in central Paris but the risk of a silent majority set alight by opposition to his pension reforms. 90% of trains across the country were cancelled today. Almost all lines on the Paris metro were closed. Both have now extended their strike into tomorrow. But the government says it can no longer justify paying billions of euros to subsidise special pension rights for public sector staff. More than a 1,000 Filipinos in Lebanon have signed up to take advantage of their government's offer of free repatriation as the Lebanese political and economic crisis deepens. Here's the BBC's Alan Johnston. Applicants for the repatriation programme, many of them women, have been completing the necessary paperwork at the Philippines Embassy in Beirut. It announced the scheme on Tuesday, describing it as a response to numerous requests for help. There have been many weeks of anti-government street protests in Lebanon. It's in a state of political paralysis as its very serious economic problems worsen. Hard-pressed Lebanese employers have been laying off staff and Filipino migrant workers have been among them. To financial news, the giant state-owned Saudi oil producer Aramco has priced its shares at the top end of a proposed range in what will be the biggest ever flotation. The initial public offering on the Riyadh Stock Exchange will involve 1.5% of the firm's shares. The company, the world's most profitable, provides the bulk of Saudi Arabia's income. Here's the BBC's Samir Hashmi in Dubai. The company would be valued at $1.7 trillion, making it the most valuable company in the world, ahead of Apple. 
and they're looking at raising $25.6 billion through this share sale, which would mean that it would become the biggest IPO in the world. It would break uh, Chinese internet giant Alibaba's record, which it had said in 2014 when it raised about $25 billion through its IPO. Uh, so it's a big deal. It's a blockbuster listing in that sense. And they're looking to put their name in the record books. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,398. That's 181 points up on the previous close. Currencies, the US dollar trades at 108.68 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 11 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 3 cents. Sport now, here's Atom. The English Premier League side Everton have sacked their manager Marco Silva after 18 months in charge. His last match was Wednesday's 5-2 defeat at the hands of neighbours Liverpool. It was Everton's ninth loss on the season, their third in a row, and it left them in the relegation zone one point from safety. The BBC's Phil McNulty says the decision was inevitable. I think there is an appreciation that he's worked very, very hard and also been quite unlucky with injuries. He has lost Andre Gomez, Fabian Del Spinaus, and of course he lost the little scene Jean-Philippe Gibamine, who was bought from Mainz in the summer to replace Idrissa Gay. He only started one league game and has been out since, with, since then with serious injury. But unfortunately, though the result at Leicester at the weekend was regarded as unlucky, last night was carnage really. The first half, four goals conceded, complete disorganisation, players bickering with each other after goals and obviously the symbolic nature of 5-2 defeated Anfield which then put Everton in the relegation places I think that's going to be to prove to be the final straw they've given him a little bit of extra time but time has now run out for him Arsenal's campaign has hit a new low after they were beaten by struggling Brighton in Freddie Lundberg's first home game in charge. With the score tied at one in the second half, Arsenal's David Luiz had a goal ruled out after the video assistant referee decided it was offside. Neil Mopé scored the winner for Brighton on the 80th minute and it finished 2-1 for the visitors. Arsenal sit 10th in the English Premier League, 10 points outside the Champions League places. Newcastle were 2-0 winners at Sheffield United. Newcastle now up to 11th in the table, level on points with Arsenal. Liverpool have named a strong 23-man squad for the FIFA Club World Cup, which clashes with their quarterfinal match in the English League Cup. The BBC's Tom Gale reports. Liverpool stars Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah are amongst those named in a strong 23-man squad for the FIFA Club World Cup, which clashes with their League Cup quarter-final against Aston Villa. 18 of the 19 players named in Jurgen Klopp's two Premier League matchday squads over the past week will travel to Qatar. The selection confirms that Liverpool are concentrating their senior playing resources on the Club World Cup as they deal with the schedule class. In the NBA, Russell Westbrook recorded a triple-double to help the Houston Rockets beat the Toronto Raptors 119-109. Westbrook finished with 19 points, 13 rebounds and 11 assists. The Rockets were led by 28 points from Ben McLemore. Pascal Siakam had 24 for the Raptors, who suffered their second straight home defeat. In the West, the league-leading LA Lakers blasted the Utah Jazz 121-96, behind 26 points from Anthony Davis. LeBron James added 20 points and 12 assists. And that's your look at sports. And that's the news from RTHK. Yeah, what a piece of
banana farmer. Do all of them a request me banana. They like come on them no one go home. Give me one time, two time, them one more. They like come on them no one go home. Give me three times, sometimes them one four. They like come on them no one go home. We have a Latina girl, she named Cassandra. She tell me say she comes straight from Colombia. So I me go recommend no my banana. Girls from near and far request me banana. Me a the girl them banana farmer. The whole of them a request me banana. They like come and them no want go home. Give me one time, two time, them want more. They like come and them no want go home. Give me three times, sometimes them want four. They like come and them no want go. Y'all from Spain, Sweden, Ghana and Japan. I ring up before now ask direction. Them want come chill from me plantation. Two girl from France, them want share one of me say we. Me say we, me say we, me say we. Grab me banana and tell me it's sweet. Them say we, them say we, them say we. Say la vie. Girls from near and far, I request me banana. Me a the girl, them banana farmer. Do all of them, I request me banana. They like come on them no one go home. Give me one time, two time, them one more. Welcome to the 123 Show. This is Sadia Usmani. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And you know what? This is just getting more exciting by the day, seriously. Yesterday on the show, I was talking death-defying experiences and thrills. And today, I take you on your travels down the Silk Road in search of our holiday hotspots. And joining me in the studio today, just after 1.30, will be traveler extraordinaire, Simon Funk. If there's anyone who knows about the Silk Road, it's him. He spent five months driving in a four-wheel drive through 13 countries 
and compiling a whole host of amazing experiences and stories. That's all to come, so make sure you stay tuned. He really is quite amazing. And keeping with our holiday theme, after 2pm, we talk hotels with Wilson Lee, the General Manager of the Hyatt Regency in Chartin, about how the whole industry has changed over the years and how many hands he shakes each day. That's what I want to know. Plus, after 2.30, more news on one of the beneficiaries of the Operation Santa Claus campaign. Today, Angie Mann talks to Project Space. Now, what more can you ask for on a programme on a Friday afternoon? Pardon? What did you say? Madonna? All right. (laughs) 